0: it's more about your ability to manage money is more about your mindset around it and following some guidelines setting up good habits and things like that
1: hey everyone i'm emily reagan and you've discovered unicorns unite this is a podcast for freelancers service providers virtual assistants and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, this episode is sponsored by my very own digital marketers work group. Yeah, I can sponsor myself. Get your applications in our exclusive membership that gives you training, support, and the job opportunities you need to build experience and command premium rates as a service provider is opening soon. The end of March, beginning of April, the Digital Marketers work group will open to new members now. Here's the thing. You need to be solid in your services. You need to have a pricing guide, a website, a portfolio, something that sells your services. And you need to be confident that you could get the client because this is not a course. This is a community. Every month we have advanced trainings. We help each other with feedback, support. We help you with troubleshooting, but we're really there to encourage and refer each other. The link to apply is in the show notes. We only open a few times a year. Right now, the cost is $47 a month, well worth one hour of client work a month. You can do this. I'll see you inside. So what can you expense and write-off in your service-based business? How should you be organizing for your taxes at the end of the year? Mileage, gifts, receipts, lunches, how does it all work? Today, I have a special guest helping us with bookkeeping for virtual assistants, and I'm excited to help you get organized in your business, especially as the April 15th deadline looms. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Emily Reagan. I'm a fellow freelancer who did not know what she was doing at the beginning of her freelancing because it was just a happy accident. I said yes to a client, wanted to help him out, faked what I knew about invoicing and charging, didn't have a contract, let alone organize any of my expenses or income. Why am I telling you all this? Because I'm not pretending to be perfect, but I've also learned a lot in the last 13 years, and I created this podcast to help you accelerate and not make the same mistakes I did. I want you to be a healthy, profitable, sustainable business, one that gives you freedom, one that lets you work when you want, lets you go to the school field trip, lets you take off to watch Golden Girls, just the kick them on lately, or take your kid to the orthodontist, whatever you gotta do, right? All of us are freelancers for a reason because we wanted freedom. We also envisioned financial freedom. We want businesses that actually tear down the ceiling cap that we had in our previous job. I don't know about you, but as a military spouse, moving over and over and over, always starting over, my salary was capped at 40000 I never made more than 40000 because I was always jumping around and lucky to take whatever job I could. There was no linear progression in my career. Luckily, it's paid off for me in the online space, and it can for you too. Business owners are clamoring for reliable part-time contractor help. Sometimes they're even hiring full-time employee if that's something you want because they need help in their businesses. They're overwhelmed with all the things. So yes, we sacrifice ourselves. We are helpers and service providers. We get a kick out of being the entrepreneur on the team who's making magic happen behind the scenes. But we also need to take the time to work on our own business. So in the previous episode, number 195, we talked with Pam Pryor, a fellow CFO, about financial strategies for virtual assistants. And today, we're diving deeper into the bookkeeping, the accounting, and the expenses we can write off. So that we are not paying the IRS as much. We're getting credit for running our business because we're already paying a self-employment tax. We might as well take off these additional write offs so we're not penalized for making more money but we're doing this so we face our numbers learn our numbers and know where we're going cast a vision for the future of our business i don't want you to be blindly doing it unless that's where you are right now if you're just making some chump change i was you i was there 200 300 400 bucks a month was a huge blessing to my family kept us from going into extended credit card debt let us pay off the credit card let us do a fun date night get our nails done do piano lessons but eventually you start to see how good you are at this and how much clients want to work with you. And you're like, oh, I'm sitting on something super smart here. And now it's time to be a smart, savvy business owner. So today, Serena Shoop from Of Course Financial is here to talk about all things of bookkeeping. She's amazing. She actually does a bookkeeping for my business. I recently switched over to her firm, and I am so excited about this conversation. You're going to learn a lot. And if anything, your takeaway is to be empowered to put your business first and treat it as a real business and not just a hobby some really good ideas in this show. So as you're listening, please tag Serena and I on Instagram. She's over there at, of course, bookkeeping. And make sure you grab her freebie, her KPI guide, four key financial indicators every business should track to understand numbers. Grab that for yourself, but also grab it for your clients. All right. I'll see you in the outro. Hey, Serena. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here educating us on the bookkeeping we need to be doing for our freelance business. Tell everyone hello a little bit about you and how you got started in this industry.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's always nice and fun talking to you. So I'm Serena Shoup. I am the owner and founder at Of Course Bookkeeping, which is mainly geared toward online businesses. And I also mentor and teach other bookkeepers in starting their business. So we have a lot in common. (laughs) I got into bookkeeping through kind of freelancing at the beginning. I considered myself like kind of doing some freelance bookkeeping when I left my corporate job to have more babies. I was at home and I didn't want to really like lose everything that I had worked toward to get my CPA license and all that stuff and and get kind of far in my career. And I always kind of felt like, well, I need to do something to not have a huge gap in my resume for when my kids go back to school or start school, right? When they're in kindergarten or whatever. So Because five years is a long time to not work. And even though I was a hiring manager, like I built an accounting team in corporate and I never dinged people for that. I know that other hiring managers don't operate that way because that's just how the world is. So I was like, well, I'm going to do something to keep myself fresh or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started doing freelance bookkeeping, just getting little jobs on Upwork. I started building a little client base through Upwork. And then those clients started referring me to other clients. And I then started finding other bookkeepers that had the same questions that I did as they were building their business. And so it it grew into this, this whole new thing that I never expected. And now I don't think you could pay me enough to go back to corporate. <laughs> because I love working for myself so
1: much. We have such a similar story. I was in the same boat, like juggling babies on each hip, thinking like, how can I make a little extra money and not lose my mind and keep my brain sharp? And so I did the same thing. One client begets another client and it just opens up and sitting also on like a very similar business. Although I don't have an agency, like I let the agency part go, but it's so fun to hear this, that like, I'm not alone in that struggle. And I see this all the time with my students in the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. They're trying to fill that gap and like dust off their resume, make themselves hireable again. And once you've been freelancing, like you put yourself in the hiring pool for the corporate job again, if you wanted it, you and I don't, (laughs) but you could very well go back to full time and kind of fill that in because- We've all faced discrimination as women, mm-hmm. especially women who are I've seen this a lot in the PR world having babies and pregnant, like not get hired and get judged, you know, based on whether they thought they might take maternity leave or not come back. so, Anyway, I'm so glad to have you here, like talking about that because I'm very passionate about giving women options and letting them build their own wealth. So, which is yeah. why we're having you here today. Yeah. Now you have this successful agency. Full disclosure, I hired you as my bookkeeper and CFO, and it has been amazing. And I love working with you. So, thank you. Your thank team you. is amazing. You have it so well oiled. So, anyone looking into bookkeeping, Serena's your lady. Go learn from her. She's got it down. I think I remember you telling me you didn't like love numbers in corporate. Did you tell me something like that? Okay. So (laughs) during that retreat that I did that that talk at, I
0: do open up with like this whole idea of helping people not feel shame around not being a numbers person. Like my whole talk is like, you don't suck at money. And so I'm gonna tell you, listener, like already, like let's stop. Saying these things about ourselves that you're bad with numbers or you're not a numbers person, or I suck with money. I don't know how to manage money because that's all a a mindset thing. And then I go into telling the story about like, I don't identify as a numbers person. I kind of fell into the accounting career path on accident. I started out as an elementary education major, which is probably why I love teaching, but (laughs) (laughs) like, that's my true path, right? But I was a single mom. That was when I had my, my first baby. I was a very young mom. I was 19 when I had her. And I went straight into college and I was like, I'm going to be a teacher so I can have the same schedule as my daughter, right? I started going through the teaching program and realized I'm never going to finish college at this rate because there's so many more requirements. And then I split up from her dad and I needed a job. So I ended up getting a job at a little grocery store, a food co-op in my hometown and i was working in the back office and that's where i got my start in like bookkeeping because i started doing the accounts payable and doing the daily deposits and my mentor the woman that i worked under was like you have a real knack for this you're like super organized everything you can tie it out so like Back to my whole, I don't consider myself a numbers person, accounting is a little bit different because it's like, it's pretty much black and white, like, and everything has to balance. So you're double checking yourself along the way. I cannot do math in my head. I always use a calculator. I don't know if this is on video, but I'm (laughs) like, I have a calculator legit in my hand.
1: (laughs) I have a phone.
0: (laughs) But it's more about your ability to manage money is more about your mindset around it and following some guidelines, setting up good habits and things like that. And so, I mean, I think that's pretty much what we're going to get into today.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I like that too. So I like numbers and I have to just say this, but I never really thought of it like that until I got into this marketing space because some of the work you do is very creative and is so subjective and It can be tough. You open yourself up to countless revisions. And then there's something to be said when you're dealing with data. And even in marketing, there's the I mean, I go crazy with spreadsheets and like KPIs within marketing. And like, it's just like how you do it. I tell my son this all the time in his algebra. I'm like, just follow exactly what the teacher says. Like, Mm -hmm. show your work. This is how you do it. And there's such peace with that because you know exactly how it's supposed to come out. And there's no one in there like trying to infiltrate it and make a difference. So, Numbers are actually like fun for me, but then I get in this spot as a service provider and I was there very quickly where I just didn't feel like I had time and I didn't prioritize it. And so I want everyone here listening to learn from me to make it a habit and do these guidelines that you're talking about because it will pay off forever. And we so quickly avoid our numbers when we are drowning in the client work. And I know that's where a lot of my listeners are like, we're putting clients first and forgetting to do that for us. So Glad you shared that insight because I hear a lot of people and I see it and I've been there avoiding the numbers for various reasons. So where do you want to (laughs) start? Yeah, I want to start there with like the
0: avoiding of the numbers because I think I attribute like the habit building thing or compare it, I guess, not attribute. I compare the habit building thing a lot to like starting a workout program where if you try to like Overhaul everything at once, like change your diet, work out every day for an hour, do the blah, 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 right? Like you're going to set yourself up for failure. So take baby steps. And like, if you are one of those people who has been avoiding your numbers, like your assignment today is to put on your calendar once a week for you to pull up all of your bank accounts for your business, right? and for your personal, but start with your business. <laughs> Once you kind of get into that habit of just look at your bank account every, I do it Fridays, Friday mornings. It's like my finance Friday thing. Like oh, I love As it. I'm drinking my coffee. I log into all my bank accounts. I'll probably get into this, but I follow profit first. And so I have five bank accounts for each of my businesses and I run two businesses and I run them separately. So I'm looking at 10 different bank accounts every Friday. <laughs> Just to see what's happening. I don't always action things on those Fridays. It's just, let's go in and see what the deposits are. Let's go in and see what your operating expenses are. And then I also play the credit card points game. I think you do too. I do. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite is the Amex. I use the gold one. There's different levels, but... I never have to pay for my work travel trips because all of my points pay for that.
1: <laughs> I didn't pay for Christmas as the bookkeeper saw. She's like, what is this? I'm like, it's about to be credited. Don't worry. Yeah. I bought an entire trampoline. My friend Sarah Massey paid for an entire trip for her family to Paris. that's <laughs> like, yeah.
0: amazing. That's the power. So yeah, the Amex gold card is the one that I like to use. And so I do all of my operating expenses on that card. Then I don't have a lot of like money going out. It's highly controlled, right? So I know when I'm going to pay that card and when the cash flow works. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend playing the credit card points game if you know yourself and you tend to go into debt. (laughs) I will caveat that (laughs) this is one of those things where you have to kind of know yourself and set up those parameters. Like you know, if you're one of those people that lets credit card debt get out of hand, maybe don't do this yet. But we could probably get you to that point where you're able to, so I log into all my accounts and I look to see like what's going on, like do I have a payout from Kajabi hitting like, and I'll log into Kajabi and see what my payouts are or Stripe or whatever, and just kind of get an idea of what's about to come in, what has gone out, and then look at my credit card balance and figure out, okay, like I should probably pay this whenever like. I like to pay things weekly. So that's kind of how I stay up on top of my credit card (laughs) so that it doesn't get out of hand. When I do that weekly like finance thing, I look at my bank accounts. I do my money transfers for the ones that aren't automatic, but you can set up automatic transfers and relay too. So I do the money transfers. I pay the credit card pretty much as much as I can swing. That way I don't have a rolling balance. And then I also look at both businesses, right? And do the transfers. I pay myself from the business that isn't automated. So yeah, that also enables you to create a rhythm around paying yourself. And if you are just getting started and you're like, Serena, I don't have a bunch of money in my bank account to pay myself. I don't know how much I should be paying. That's the power of profit first, which I'm not really going to dive too far into. Definitely read the book. But Just doing this weekly meeting with yourself, looking at your bank account, paying your bills, and then seeing what you have coming up and paying yourself is a really good habit to get into. When you follow the profit first method, you're basically divvying up the money before you spend anything. So you create a constraint to where, like, you're only spending a certain portion of that income on your operating expenses. And it's like it forces you to pay yourself first. And save for taxes first. So, if you are just starting out, this is a really good time to just implement that system right off the bat and learn how to operate your business on 30% operating expenses. So, like, there's different percentages in there. And I started that with my firm from the get go. Even when I only had one client, I would deposit that check from the client or however it came in, right? From Upwork. I would see that money hit my bank account. And as soon as that money came in, say it was $500, I would divvy it up by the percentages. 50% I paid myself right off the bat. Half of it I paid myself. And some people might be like, half isn't enough. But once you start adding clients, you also have to have money in your business to operate from. So it's really good to get used to not paying yourself the entire thing that your client pays you. So 50% would go to me. 15% of that would go to a tax savings account. 30% is what I would leave in the business to pay for software, office supplies, whatever have you. And then 5% goes to an account called Profit. And there's various things that you can do with that. In the book, he talks about like rewarding yourself from that account. I typically transfer that to a savings account, like a personal savings account. And that account is what is linked to my Schwab, my retirement. So that's just 5% of my income is going directly into my retirement, basically.
1: I didn't start out that way. I used to reward myself. <laughs> yeah. I call my Profit First account the hot tub account. Like, I'm very motivated to get a hot tub because this house we moved in has a portico and used to have a hot tub. And I'm like, it's perfect. Yes, oh, that's another yeah. really
0: good hack to <clears throat> rename your accounts based on the goal that you have. Ah. Um, <laughs> I'll share this because you know the background, but my savings account is called freedom <laughs> <laughs> so you can kind of like use your imagination to figure out like they had multiple meanings but yeah. like you know the meaning of that <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i mean oh my gosh it can mean yeah. that's one of the words i use in my own marketing it's it means so much to so many some of it's like yeah. you know schedule freedom right yeah so financial freedom travel yeah. freedom what i see is a lot of service providers they start and they're like yeah i'm making money They forget about the taxes. And so I think that was the big advantage of profit first is it makes you save that for taxes because we have self employment. If a lot of us are starting out as LLC or, you know, doing business as we have to take into account that. And I didn't really think about that when I I started as like such an accidental freelancer. I, I wasn't even thinking like this would be a business, but I think that paying yourself is really important because we just end up in the profit at the hot tub account, you know, the freedom account or whatever because we just end up like slaving away for clients and then we just take on more clients and more clients and then we forget like this business is supposed to pay me and still be fun. And so I love that like vision of how it's going to help you like beyond the typical credit card. Like usually my income goes to the credit card. We put everything on yeah. the credit card, pay it off every month and then I'm like that sucked <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, I I know I got like something from Amazon this month. We don't need to talk about that, but like it just it was not quite rewarding as it is, like to put it in that other account.
0: So I love this practice. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing about creating this like weekly meeting with yourself is it's going to bring awareness to, oh, I was expecting that client to pay me. Why isn't that money in my bank account? a good exercise is just add up all the deposits if you're not using separate bank accounts and see how much money actually came in that week. Did it align with what you were expecting? Does a client still owe you? Mm -hmm. Does it shed light on like, oh, actually my goal was 5k, only 3k came in and I know everybody paid me. So I need to go out and get more clients or I need to change pricing. It's just going to illuminate some things about your business that Obviously, you can get this information from your bookkeeping if you're doing that, but most entrepreneurs run their business based on their bank account. So at least look at your bank account, right? Okay. Um, step two is do the bookkeeping. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> and does this all apply to a service provider who might not have as many expenses? Like I'm just thinking yeah. in terms of like, a credit card still builds credit, which is good, even if it's only HoneyBook and, I don't know, your website hosting. There's
0: a couple reasons why I love using a credit card. One of them being that you can really, like I said, control your cash flow. So you're not having automatic expenses coming out of a cash account. And for me, it creates peace of mind to have it like it's all building in this other account. And then I get to decide when I'm going to mm-hmm. pay it. It's, it's not at the mercy of when I signed up for that software. <laughs> right? Yeah. And if there's fraud, it's a lot safer to have things going on a credit card then you're not having to recoup cash or like you needed that cash and something happens and now it's not in your account and you have to wait for it to be recovered. If it's in a credit card, it's a lot easier to dispute things. So that's the other reason why I love using a credit card, especially when you're swiping it and entering it online for all sorts of stuff. Like you don't want to be using a debit card for that.
1: No, no, that's scary. I think we've both heard (laughs) stories, (laughs) right? Like fraud and whatnot. Okay, cool. So what can we be doing in the day to day or month to month? I don't even know with our bookkeeping because this is very intimidating for someone who hasn't had the experience that you've had.
0: I would say like, if you're going to get serious and do like, I'm going to sit down every Friday morning, I'm going to look at my bank accounts. You may as well also log into either QuickBooks or Zero or whatever you're using, or maybe it's a spreadsheet and you're just recording everything or export what happened in the bank, record it in a spreadsheet and kind of categorize it. And it can be very simple. You don't have to get complex with it. It could be like you create a few of your expense categories like software. If you're contracting with anyone else, like contract labor. And if you're doing any travel, you have a travel category. So don't overdo it with your categories. Just keep it simple enough to where you understand what's going into that account. And same goes if you have a QuickBooks or a Xero file like don't overdo with your expense categories. (laughs) Like the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as you can understand what's happening in your business and then recording all the revenue, like where that's coming from. So I would continue on that like finance Friday or whatever you decide it's going to be, look at your bank accounts and then go over to your bookkeeping and categorize everything so that you're staying on top of it weekly. You will feel really good about it. And also, If you miss a Friday, don't beat yourself up. I got off track earlier, but like comparing it to a workout thing, I've been in this online membership since I had my second daughter, and she's almost eight. So going on eight years, I've been in this membership called Mama Strong. And it's like $12 a month, but she uploads new workouts every day. And they're just like simple 15 minute mat workouts. But one of her mantras is begin again. She's like, if you missed the last year, and this is your first day back, like, welcome. Like, there's no shame. We're just going to begin again. I try to say the same thing about the money stuff. Like if you haven't looked at your money for a month or a few weeks, like don't beat yourself up over it. Like just, It's a fresh start today
1: like it's a new day like we're just beginning again (laughs) i love that and there's a reason we're having this podcast with you near the beginning of the year like my plan was to do it like the beginning of january but you know we're we're doing good right now we're in q1 but like that's the point like you do get this fresh start and i know people are going to be busy like cleaning up their things for taxes (laughs) right for 2023 and probably going through that shaming process because i know i do it every time i stop and start a workout (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And it's
0: like, you have to just give yourself grace and realize like you're human, things got busy, but what matters is that like you're starting again today. And no matter how many times you have to begin again, like it doesn't matter. Like just keep beginning again. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we have a lot of people coming out of the woodworks right now. Like, Hey, I didn't touch my QuickBooks all year. Can you catch us up? <laughs> and so like, <laughs> you're not alone if that's you. <laughs>
1: I'm not because I hired you to help. You don't need to spend $2,000 on another course. You don't have $30,000 to spend on a mastermind. So where do you go if you are in the messy middle of owning and running and operating a service-based business? You come to the Digital Marketers Workgroup. This is an exclusive membership that provides the training and the support and the job opportunities to get to the freelancer holy land where you're working with dreamy clients, commanding premium rates, but you're not sacrificing your schedule and your time. You still have time with your loved ones. The Digital Marketers Workgroup can help you get there, especially if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're jocking way too many clients and you need help really niching down and positioning yourself as the go-to expert. Get your applications in now for the work group because we are opening again at the end of March, beginning of April. When you join now, you'll get access to our brand positioning workshop and the Work With Me page writing workshop, both happening in April. We have amazing guest speakers coming throughout the summer. This is your time to really hone in on your business, prioritize your work instead of always bending over backward for your clients. The link to apply is below. We want your business set up. We want you confident in your client work, able to take on clients. Apply now and we'll be in touch. Back to the show. So we just had Pam Pryor on the show too, talking about some things we can do with finance. Her advice was like, just making sure you keep everything separate, right? Mm. If you're going to do anything, just keep it separate. Don't co-mingle it. And so that's the point of having a business credit card. And that's the point of basically the ledger that we're doing. I think a great place to start is a spreadsheet. That's what I did. When I Mm -hmm. first started, because things were kind of simple when it was just me. Like, you're at an agency level, it's different. We both have e learning products and like a whole different like teams happening there. So it, it just gets a little bit more complicated where we want heavy duty software. But I like that you just keep it simple for us. Yeah. That's the thing
0: is like the more complicated you make it, the less likely you're going to follow through with it. So it's like a morning routine, right? Like, don't try to have a 20 step morning routine. Like, if you're a mom right now, And all you can actually get is five minutes. That's all your morning routine needs to be. Like five minutes for you to sit and scroll Instagram in the morning. Like give yourself a break. Don't overcomplicate it. Otherwise you won't do it. Especially if you value sleep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what else do we need to be doing? I'm kind of curious about what we can expense and write off. You talked about those expense categories and I'm just thinking of a newer you know freelancer who has a couple clients like they are going to have software they're also going to do professional development and be expensing that and I know you and I had a conversation in Voxer about what we can write off at the end of the year can you elaborate on that yeah so if you're keeping your bank account separate it makes it
0: easier to track all this but you also need to keep all the receipts and keep all the invoices and and everything that's the proof if you were to ever get audited, like that's where you're going to defend the business purpose, right? So one of the things that the IRS says is it has to be ordinary and necessary. So ordinary in your industry. And there's a lot of new industries popping up. So like influencers, for example, like there's a lot of gray area right now in that industry because it's so new. But as we get more years under our belts with them taxing stuff, like Case law will come out and then you'll understand more what's allowed. But I think this is the conversation that we had. Like, if you are able to support the stance of it being a business expense, then do it. Like, if you're okay taking that risk, just document it, right? Document why this was a (coughs) business expense and why you needed it for the business and how it's ordinary that it's very common in this particular industry or whatever. right? So that's what you need to do is keep proof of everything. But a lot of stuff you can write off because it truly is a business expense. Like you said, personal development. So if you're in UDMA, that's (laughs) a business expense. It's increasing your knowledge about you know, the work that you're supposed to be doing for clients and all that kind of stuff, memberships, dues and subscriptions. For example, if you're in the business of PR and you have to subscribe to certain magazines or whatever you call them, (laughs) journals, I don't know, then meals. Meals when you're traveling. Meals if you're taking out a potential client or a current client or even someone that you consider like a colleague, someone else in the work group, you're meeting up at a conference. One of the things that we have our clients do is download an app called HubDoc. And this links to the bookkeeping software, but you don't have to get this complicated. You can just use your phone camera. But the habit that I've set up for myself is when I'm traveling... I'm at the restaurant or I'm at a restaurant with a client or whatever. Usually, it's just a travel situation. When I pay the bill, I write the tip on the receipt that I'm going to leave there. And then I write also on that receipt the business purpose of that meal. So if I'm traveling, I'll say travel to whatever event it is that I'm traveling to or traveling for visiting a client or whatever, right? Or speaking at a mastermind. And so I write all of that on the receipt and I take a photo and then I leave it there. I don't even, (laughs) I don't even bring it with me. That's how you want to handle meal receipts, like keeping proof of why it was a business expense. And then there's other things that are kind of a gray area, like gifts or clothing, where if you can support the business purpose for it, it can be a deduction. You just want to keep proof of why that was a business expense. Let's talk about gifts first. I have a blog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great. Thank you. Coming it
0: <laughs> for The rule around gifts is $25 per gift per client is what is deductible, but likely you're going to spend more than $25 on a client gift. So when you make that purchase, you want to just keep record of it, whether it's the receipt that you have, or as you're recording it in a spreadsheet or your bookkeeping in the description, write out how many gifts you purchased with that transaction and what the price per gift was. And then your tax preparer will know that, okay, there's 10 gifts in here. We're allowed to deduct $25 per gift. So
1: $250. Easy head math. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the year, so many of our work group members were talking about like, well, what do you send a client and mm-hmm. uh, swapping ideas? And we had a whole thread on that. I think it's like such a fun thing to do. You do it. What do you use for your gifts? Yeah. So I use Linden Square.
0: She creates curated gift boxes that are kind of branded for us. And those are usually around a 100 bucks each. So I know I'm not getting the full deduction. But when you look at it as like, this is a relationship building type of thing, yeah. like Sometimes you're going to spend money on things that aren't fully deductible, but it's for good reason, right? So that's what I use. The other thing that I will say about gifts is if you put a logo on it, whether it's your own logo or your client's logo, that now becomes marketing material and
1: could be more deductible. <laughs> Which is what one of my... I guess I'm her client. She sent me a nice gift box and because it had all of my logos on it, she could expense it more as swag than just a gift. It wasn't like taking me to Top Golf and whining and dining me, you know. Right. Now have a journal. Oh, I had one right here with my logo. And I thought that was like such good advice. By the way, I'm doing that with UDMA Cycle Three. We're sending out a gift box. And I put our logo on most of it. So how does that work if half of it is a logo and half of it isn't? Like the fortune cookie doesn't have my logo. Oh, actually, it has a custom message. So
0: this is one of those things that maybe we were talking about this when we weren't recording, but there's different levels of risk that you're willing to take. And for me... I'm willing to take risk on stuff like that too. And so okay. I send a quote-unquote gift box slash swag box to my students as well. Okay, And I take the full deduction because I consider that a cost of goods. It's part of the program. Yeah. And it's all related, you know. Especially if there's a workbook in there or whatever. That's the stance that I have taken. Could the IRS come and audit me and be like, what was in those gift boxes? Oh, a candle? like." <laughs> Are you sure that's cost of goods? But at the same time, I can also prove this is how I prove my stance, right? On my sales page, it says you're going to get a box in the mail of stuff. So that is included in the price of the program. So you know what I mean? Because because more of a cost of goods sold.
1: (laughs) Yes, because I added the box too when I raised my price, but I I didn't tell anyone that. Interesting. I messed up and we were thought we were recording and we weren't. And we also mentioned something else I want to go ahead and awkwardly bring up now is this whole risk thing. I think this is important because some of our clients will be in this boat too, but I had booked a photo shoot. I'm buying some fancy clothes that I would never wear in public. Like I'm sporty spice. I don't need a pink sequin blazer, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had a conversation with you on Voxer, like, can I write this off? And you talked about the risk and I'm willing to risk it for that. But what I ended up doing, I don't know if I told you this, is like, I just bought the shoes. I am going to rewear them. And I'm like, I'll just pay for those boots. They're cute. You know, I might wear them like once a year, but (laughs) like I've got the boots. And then I went ahead and put everything else on the business card because they were outfits like whenever I'm speaking or for photo shoots that like I normally, I don't wear around the house. You know, I'm not going to wear them in my everyday like mom
0: life. I personally, like you, like I'm willing to take a little bit of risk on that quote unquote gift box for my students. It would be the same if I were in your position and I did buy something that I literally would never have worn any other time, except in a photo shoot or at a speaking gig. I could support that by saying like, look, it's still brand new. Like if they come to your house and audit you. And even if you do get audited, the IRS is like, no, we're not going to allow this expense if it happened once a year, it's not going to affect your taxable income that much. Like if it was a $200 outfit, you're talking about maybe 25% tax on that $200. It's almost pennies and it's totally like immaterial at this point. However, if you are an influencer and you are buying things to review them for advertising and all of that, I think that also is easy to support. Your stance of like, no, I purchased this so that I could create reviews on it because it's a business and they're paying me for these reviews, or this is how I make my income based off of affiliate commissions. La la la. I have an influencer client that I've had that discussion with her too, because she was like, I know lots of influencers that write off everything. And in the past, I wasn't because it made me really nervous. And I was like, well, you know, it's a new industry. Like, whatever you're comfortable with, I would still run it through the business. Like, it's still a business expense. But then like at the end of the year, you can look at that total account of like, these were my influencer products, right? Yeah. Of the total and decide, okay, it was $10,000. Am I comfortable trying to write off that whole $10,000 or
1: do I want to knock it down a little bit? Like it's up to you. That's so interesting. And I think, like you said, there's going to be new case law on that and it'll be settled Mm -hmm. eventually. But right now it's all up in the air. And I don't know. I'm fascinated by that because it's such a growing industry right now. And then people are like, I did a sponsorship for the podcast where I still had to buy some of the product myself. Like Mm -hmm. there's still opportunities for sponsorships and affiliates. And I think about all those YouTube creators, right? Like, oh my gosh, just reviewing things. Okay. So then I also wanted to ask you, I know we're kind of turning this into a tax conversation, but there's also office space. I just want to mention that because I didn't realize this when I was freelancing that I could take that out at the end of the year. So tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So there's a home office deduction. There's a standard home office deduction that you can take if you don't want to track expenses around it, like a $300 deduction. It's not very much. Or you can say, all right, my office is actually like... 200 square feet and my house is maybe a thousand square feet. That's a decent portion of my entire home. Like for me, you can see I'm like in my living room. (laughs) Like this is the biggest part of my house. (laughs) This is my office. I would be inclined to track, and this isn't something that you're necessarily, you don't have to track it throughout the year, but if you have an easy way of like logging in and pulling all your utility bills if you pay rent or you have a mortgage, rent is... It's the whole expense, right? And you deduct it based on the percentage of the square footage in your home. Okay. So like for instance, my house, I think, is about 1,200 square feet. I would say this little area that my office is in is maybe 200. So we divide 200 by 1,200. That's almost 17%. So now you look at all the expenses for your home, rent, utilities... I would say if you're not meeting clients at your home, I wouldn't deduct like yard work, but again, it's whatever you're
1: comfortable
0: with.
1: <laughs> Housekeeping, right? Like the sheet-picking yeah, deduct- that.
0: Yeah. So you total all of these home expenses up, repairs on your home, things like that. You total all that up and then you take for me it would be 17% of that. So I'm just thinking through like My rent is pretty decent. Like, you'd think I lived in California. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I live in Arizona. (laughs) But yeah, that's going to be a big chunk of a write off to take a home office deduction, not using the standard deduction. So, like, this year, you bet your bottom dollar I'm going to be taking, like, I'm going to be adding up all my home expenses and taking that as a deduction. And I actually, I don't know if I should share this. I pay my home rent through my business because I have it like on auto pay, And I know I always have money in that business bank account. And so I don't ever want to like have to do the whole transfer money in time to pay rent situation. And so I just have my rent coming out of my business account, like that's linked. So it's on my bookkeeping, like as its full expense. So okay. at the end of the year, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reverse out what is the 83% okay. I'm going to take
1: out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know what I mean? okay. Yeah. And I do this with my cable bill and my wireless bill too. Yeah. And I had to go in and add one time we were living in a big house in Florida. It's all opulent there. And I had to upgrade my speed because the videos were taking forever for clients, like the upload download. And so I expensed that. I would never have increased it to that rate if it hadn't yeah. for my work. And so we also do that and sell and cell phones. Cell
0: phones too. Yeah. So this is again my personal, this is what I do. And I think it's becoming I've talked to like an ex IRS agent about this too. And he's like, nowadays everyone uses their phone for so much for business that you can really get away with writing off like almost a hundred percent of it. Yeah. So that's another one that I just run through my business. Like my yeah. business credit card pays my phone bill. And if you have a family and you have other people on the plan, you may want to think about maybe taking those. Out. Okay. <laughs> as the expense. Yeah. But again, personal preference. <laughs> yeah. But like, I just bought the new iPhone. That's a business expense because I bought the newest iPhone Pro because I needed more space so I can do videos. Yeah. And like, a really good camera. I decided to do that instead of buying like a DSLR because I will never use that thing. But My like, I need. Right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're not using it. I'm not.
0: <laughs> That was a business expense. Like I wouldn't have upgraded my phone to this level if it weren't for business. I mean, maybe I would have, but
1: and the phone case, like that's going to be a business expense. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely puts us over the edge sometimes, right? Yeah. That's so funny. That's so funny. If you own your home, you won't be able
0: to deduct your entire mortgage payment because mortgages are kind of a different beast, but the interest portion you can. So if your interest each month on your mortgage payment is $500. You take that percentage of the $500. And I mentioned home repairs, but also like I'm looking at your backdrop and I can see like colored paint. I can see like, what are those wood things called? Like you did something different to the wall to make it like camera ready. Like all that work, the plants you bought, the carpet, the unicorn in the background, like yeah. all those things. Like I would write those off.
1: I think I did because of the carpet, yeah. the sideboard. I will tell you I cracked my window. Like I was rapping on the window because the kids were fighting and it was snowy and the window will go. And I I wasn't even like full angry mom stage and it just cracked. So my business could pay for that, right? Because this is my dedicated office. <gasps> yeah. Genius. I'm like just sitting here waiting for it to fix itself and it's kind of That's cold. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And then there's a couple of things that slid by me. And I, I know some of the social media assistants, content managers. I have some apps on my phone that actually went to Apple and went to like my husband's account because that's when it was set up. And I almost forgot about those. Like, oh yeah, I'm paying for Voxer. I'm paying for TikTok save and repost. And there's a few other InShot or CapCut. And so some of those, like, don't forget about those. Especially, yeah, because I have the same thing. Like, those are
0: always linked to our personal accounts, Mm -hmm. credit cards. Yeah. So whenever I see those Apple receipts come into my email, I forward them to HubDoc, which is that system we use. And then I just write a note like paid for personally. And so if you have a bookkeeper, your bookkeeper knows how to handle that. Yeah. If you don't have a bookkeeper, add it in or keep a spreadsheet of these expenses that you're paying for personally so that your accountant can add them in at the end of the year.
1: Okay, and then do you pay yourself back for those? Like, how does you that? You can. It's up to
0: you how you want to handle it. If you're an S corp, you should be reimbursing yourself. Okay. If you're just an LLC, I consider it an owner's contribution, and I don't usually reimburse myself for it. But you can totally like if you want the cash, like you can absolutely okay. do that. I just usually don't
1: to know i don't have to be like worried about it as long as it's documented, right.
0: and that's one of the things that like since we're at your end and you're hopefully looking at everything that happened in 2023 just log into your apple subscription account and see all the subscriptions that you paid for in the year and print it out or whatever you have to do and mark the ones that are for business like and do that with your utilities and all the things like <laughs>
1: Yeah. Your first finance Friday meeting is going to be extra long. (laughs) Yeah. And then it'll be easier. Oh my God. This is so fun. Thank you so much for sharing all these tactical bookkeeping tips. I wanted to ask you before we go, what is like the number one mistake that you see brand new, especially service providers making when it comes to their bookkeeping? I'm going to give you two mistakes. We've (laughs) already talked about both of them. I just want to
0: really highlight them. Number one is to keep your business and personal separate. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of those things that I do forget to remind people about because it's my field, right? It's so second nature, but that's going to make it so much easier to one, prove those business expenses because you're only running business stuff through your business. And it's going to make it a lot easier to sift through and pulling out all the proof and finding all the stuff, right? So keep your business and personal separate. My favorite business bank account is Relay Bank. It's all online. It's free. It's super awesome. You can set up lots of bank accounts. My second tip, saving for taxes. So it's really easy to just be like, Oh, all this money is mine. Like when you first get paid, and maybe for the first one, that's probably okay. Like the first time you get paid from a new client, definitely like keep that all for yourself because... It feels really good. Yeah, but everyone after that, like, make sure that you don't touch that money. You take fifteen percent of that total deposit that you're getting, and you set it aside in a savings account that's going to build interest. Again, I'm going to plug Amex because they have a Amex personal savings account. It's at four and a half percent right now.
1: Ooh, oh, wow. So-
0: yeah, I've been stockpiling all my tax money in there all year and making like really small estimates. So I'm not like way underpaying, but I've been like right now there's like 20 grand in there that's building interest. So that's a lot of interest at 4%. So, oh Anyway, yeah. <laughs> So that's my other big mistake. Like, don't forget to save for taxes and 15% of your total revenue, which is the amount that you're bringing in before you pay your expenses. That is a really good benchmark to start with and then see how things shake out for your first year in business. You may need to adjust that percentage, but it's a good starting point. Oh my gosh, I love that. Okay,
1: I have two lightning round questions and we'll wrap it up. But first, tell everyone if we're listening and we're a bookkeeper or we know someone who is a bookkeeper, how can we work with you and tell us about your program that you have? So if you're a
0: bookkeeper or an accountant or you have like some bookkeeping experience, and you're interested in building a bookkeeping business, you can find me at Ambitious Bookkeeper everywhere online. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a YouTube channel that I'm starting to build up, and I've got a podcast, the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast. So you just Google that, you'll find me. And yeah, so I do have a couple programs for bookkeepers, various price points, but my main thing is kind of like yours, where we get people like, interested in starting a bookkeeping business and building one that's fulfilling, good clients. We teach you how to price
1: just the whole nine yards. (laughs) How to work it smoothly. I think like all of that is scary when you're starting and all the Mm -hmm. tech that you need to know and client management. So awesome. We'll put a link to that too. You also have a freebie for us, your KPI guide.
0: Yeah. So if you are already like keeping your own books, or maybe you even have a bookkeeper doing stuff for you, the KPI guide is going to illuminate four key financial indicators that you should be looking at every month to just kind of keep a pulse on your business. And they're pretty simple. I show you how to calculate them, but you do have to have some bookkeeping in place to be able to figure those out. And so hopefully that gets you into the habit of. Either find a bookkeeper or start doing your bookkeeping so you can track those. And yeah.
1: Okay, that's awesome. And that's to go beyond that first like fancy finance Friday that you do. Yes. You start like using this for that next step. I know some of you are ready for it, which is why I'm so glad you had that for us. Okay, two lightning round questions. One, how are you using AI in your business? Or Ooh, are you? So, <laughs> yes, I am. Fun fact if you're
0: in the bookkeeping world, you've probably already heard that like most of our programs already use AI. Like our bookkeeping software remembers transactions and suggests things, right? So that has already been a part of my work since I started my business, thankfully, makes things really efficient. But I use AI for a lot of content creation stuff, we use it to write our show notes. I used AI to write a script for a video ad that I recently did. Did you <gasps> see that ad? No. <laughs> Ooh. Also, I had this like vision of something and I was like, hey, ChatGPT. <laughs> nice. Her 30 second video ad script with like this, that, and the other thing. I didn't hardly change any of it. It was so perfect. And then when I'm on top of my game, also, I use AI to start my blog posts. Okay. Those sometimes happen once a month. <laughs>
1: I feel it. Feel like I'm always like two a month and then we're like, ooh, it's been a while. <laughs> okay, yeah. my other question for you, since you're also vetting and meeting with clients, what's one question that you ask on your intake form that lets you know if this is gonna be a good client for you? Ooh, I have lots of very key questions. There was a lot of thought put into my intake form.
0: One of them that vets people out and so they end up probably not even filling out the form Is we state our minimum price and that we only work in zero. So we probably filter out a lot of clients that don't want to switch from QuickBooks or that can't afford our minimum price. The other one is I have like this text box of like, why do you think a bookkeeper is an important part of your team? And I've literally had somebody fill it out. They said they didn't think it was, they just knew they needed one. (laughs) And I was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> i never thought that would happen i always thought like people are just gonna at least be us right here right yeah like they wouldn't even so take, take the time with i don't think they are people just keep telling me i need to get
1: a bookkeeper and i'm like all right <laughs> that's like the placating yes we were talking about from chris voss right before we hit record this has been so fun thank you for joining us we'll catch you over on instagram and i am so grateful to have you here today thank you i appreciate you so much <laughs> gosh, so good. I think you learned so much from this episode. I hope this clears some of the fog away from what you should be doing. The tools Serena shared are amazing. Grab the Hubduck app. It's saving my hiney when I'm on the fly because I do not save those receipts. Grab that book Profit First that we referenced. It is a must read. I tell all my unicorns to read it. And then I'll go ahead and put the Amex Gold referral link, that savings account that she talked about, all that in the show notes below. Okay, so if you're at this spot, you're thinking, this is great, now I need to be able to charge more, I want to make more, I want higher profit margins, I want a healthy, sustainable business, then you are listening to the right podcast, but you're also learning from the right person. I have done this marketing work for years, and I teach virtual assistants how to become marketing assistants because marketing is higher paid, it's value-based, and it gives you the most schedule freedom when it comes to not being locked to office hours. So if you need to develop solid marketing services that stand out, that are exceptional, where you know what you're doing and you're not winging it, and you want to get those client referrals on the flip side, you need to take my Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School self-study. It's open right now. After you go through that program, after you get solid in your services, you can join us in the Digital Marketers Workgroup, where we'll have the client leads for you. And I'm giving you everything you need. Like there's no reason. I got the clients help you set up your business and I teach you how to do the work. So everything you need is right here. You can enroll in the self study right now. We have a very affordable payment plan that makes it less than $200 a month to start learning and leveling up on your marketing services. Click below in the show notes. And once again, grab Serena's KPI guide. That is going to really help you and help out your clients. If you already have bookkeeping skills, if you want to run a bookkeeping service, Serena your gal. Go follow her on Instagram, connect with her, find out when her program's open. She's the one to learn from. We are sister service providers doing something very similar, both practitioners. I trust her. She's the one to learn from, so you could scale a bookkeeping agency with her. Could you do me a favor and go ahead and tap five stars on your podcast reviewing app right now? I could really use the recommendations and reviews. And then we're going to keep this conversation going next week as we dive into one way to be more profitable. Once you've nailed down all of these services, you're really good at what you do. It's time to start thinking about an agency model. So we'll get more into agencies next week on the show. I'll see you then. If you want to niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. (laughs) You're like grimacing. I'm grimacing. Can you hear the vacuum in the background? No. Okay. Just okay. Good. No, I'm not grimacing at you. That's right. I was like, who are you? No, 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 no. (laughs) You're like, Emily, the best podcast host ever.
0: (laughs) My second tip. (laughs) I had this and now I'm like, what was it?